In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who gives to us all sorts of things, but most importantly, Himself. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Happy Ash Wednesday doesn't seem like it's the right greeting. It's kind of an austere day, and it's a day that uh, we've seen kind of uh, go up in attendance and down in attendance, and it's, it's an interesting time for us to see how this ancient Christian holiday affects the people that are in this congregation and the people that are around us here in Tallahassee. And it's kind of an interesting day, and it's a day that I I think it's very appropriate to ask you the question, why are you here? What exactly is it about this holiday, about this time, that has brought you to this place in Tallahassee, University Lutheran, in order to come here and to hear God's Word and then to get ashes smudged on your forehead and then to leave, why would you come and get that done? Well, there's a few different possibilities, I suppose. First of all, there's a possibility that, well, you just really like the touch that comes along with Ash Wednesday. That you are kind of a lonely person, and because of that, you just don't have that many people that are willing to touch you. And so you figure, well, I know at least I'm going to be touched by one person tonight when they smudge ashes on my forehead. But that's probably not you. Instead... You may be here because it is Ash Wednesday and it's kind of a tradition that you have. That you come here kind of traditionally, maybe even without really thinking about it, you just kind of know, okay, well, it's Ash Wednesday and I always do Ash Wednesday, so this is what I do. And maybe that has become sort of so rote and mechanical that you have a kind of hard time coming up with the answer to why are you here. And for some of you, maybe it's a little bit more defined. For some of you, maybe you're you're here, you're looking for a new start. And that happens a lot with this holiday. In fact, uh, Ash Wednesday for a lot of Christians is is sort of like our opportunity to re-up on some of those New Year's resolutions that we didn't do so well with in January. Or, Or maybe to come up with new ones, new disciplines, new spiritual disciplines, or semi-spiritual disciplines, or at least physical disciplines. So you are thinking about giving up soda or caffeine, or you're thinking about taking on praying for a little while during your day, at least a little bit longer than the 10-second, hey God, how are you doing, that you normally are able to do. And there's something kind of specific about Lent, because Lent is a great time to kind of do a trial run. It's sort of like a beta test for one of those disciplines, and maybe that's why you're here. That you know that Lent ends. That when Easter comes around in approximately six weeks, that you can give up on whatever that discipline was or wasn't. And that you can kind of use this as a time to figure out, okay, 
can I really live my life in this way? Well, in all of those examples, Lent is really, and Ash Wednesday is really something that's, well, primarily about us. And primarily about our experience of life and what's going on. And there's certainly kind of an experience that's happening in this lesson from Joel. I know that a lot of times it's hard to listen to the Old Testament reading and know what you're getting into. Because uh, Joel is a minor prophet, which means that you've probably not read that much of Joel. In fact, you probably would have a hard time finding Joel in a paper Bible. If you've got an app, it's real easy. You just kind of look the table of contents. But what's happening here with the prophet Joel, since we're jumping in in chapter 2, is that what has happened in Israel is there has been a massive catastrophe that has happened in Israel. And massive catastrophes are one of the reasons that we change in life. We look to these times of catastrophe and we go, okay, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my life? What do I need to change? And that's exactly what Israel is doing. Israel is contemplating what they need to change. Because what God has done is he has allowed locusts to come into their country and to eat just about every kind of vegetation that's out there. Now, to us, that sounds maybe a little bad, maybe a little weird, but it doesn't sound horrible. Because our lives are not based upon agriculture. But these peoples were. It would be like the Great Depression all over again. It would be like everyone's livelihood was just thrown out the window. It was a time of great, great catastrophe. And so the prophet Joel gets up and he says, bring everybody together. Bring all of these people in and maybe God will relent. Maybe, if God feels like it, he will do something and he can reverse this. And maybe that's where you're at tonight. Maybe you're kind of thirsting for God to do something different in your life. And you're hoping that that goes along with this season of Lent or this Ash Wednesday. That somehow this is going to be a mark post in your life. That you're able to say, okay, life changes tonight. I stop committing that sin that I do every day. I stop that tonight. Or I start doing this spiritual discipline tonight. And you're looking at this as a time to make that holy. Because you've been moved by a catastrophe. And so, like the people of Israel, you are gathered here together. And the interesting thing about this passage is that it's it's everybody. It's people that normally would have gotten a pass. It's the bride and the bridegroom who, uh, they would have been on their honeymoon, but everybody has to come to this. It's the nursing mother. It's everyone who has to come in and repent. So that maybe God will do something in our lives. Maybe God will turn 
from this catastrophe. Speaking of catastrophes, there's this story called, uh, told by a guy named Frank Marshall. And uh, Frank was a young man, and he witnessed this scene. And uh, it was a scene, it was uh, in Alabama where he was from, and uh, he happened to live in a town where there were uh, train tracks that went through the town, and uh, it, it was pretty common for him to be out there by the train tracks and uh, kind of playing around with his friends and doing whatever. Well, one day he notices that there is a man and his son, and this man and his son, they are, uh, they look like they're, they're kind of regulars, they, they know what they're doing, they're out there and they're just kind of playing around uh, it's a good wide open space the little boy is able to run for a long time that hopefully the dad thinks then that uh, he'll be able to rest himself a little bit that night because his boy will be so tired out and so the dad is up and he's watching the little boy play on the train tracks, and he knows what time the trains are coming in and, and what time they're leaving and so he knows that everything is okay except for this day, where a train was either running early or late, but it was running off schedule, and this little boy was playing on the train tracks. And the train was coming straight for him. And he, like many little boys, was just kind of aloof and didn't recognize that. And the father... Instead of running and jumping and saving the little boy, the, the father froze with fright. And he was there, and, and Frank could tell on his face that he wanted to do something, but there was just something that made him not able to do that. And so Frank watched this in horror. He was way too far away in order to make a difference, and he just watched how this was going to play out. And as the train got closer and closer, the dad, you could see the fear in his eyes, and the little boy finally turned around, and he stepped over to the side, and the train totally missed him. Well, it's not really the kind of story that we want to hear. A lot of ways. The story that we want to hear is something like, well, the dad finally lost his paralysis and his fright, and he jumped out, and he saved his boy, and he kissed him on the cheek. But that's not what happened. Or we, we want to hear that Superman flew in, grabbed the boy, and flew off into the night sky. Or the Superman flew in and he stopped the train. But the way that the story plays out in that story and the way that the story plays out in this story from Joel is just kind of anticlimactic. It's kind of this, this thing where we hear it and we go, Really? That's it? So in Joel, there's all of this commotion, all of this wailing over this catastrophe, and it's almost like a footnote at the end of the reading. Well, you know, God relents, and he gives them all of this great stuff. Way to go, God. It's almost that same sense of, well, the boy steps aside and everything is all right. 
Well, I, I think that says something about us. And I think the thing that it says about us is that oftentimes when we approach Ash Wednesday and we approach Lent, we want it to be a heroic story about us. We want it to be a heroic story about how well we gave up chocolate. And we want, at the end of all time, when we meet Jesus, we want Jesus to be like, you know, I remember 2016. Oh, man. You bumped up your praying from 10 seconds to 15 seconds. Two days a week. That blew my mind. Because that's what we want Lent and Ash Wednesday to be about. But that's not what Lent and Ash Wednesday are about. Lent and Ash Wednesday were about a, are about a catastrophe. They're about a catastrophe that happened some 2,000 years ago. A catastrophe that St. Paul tells us about. That God sent his only perfect sinless son to be sin for us. So that he might be crucified and die. And so that he might change our lives. And so this went... It's a good thing to have disciplines. This Lent, it's a good thing to contemplate a little bit more on the Scriptures. It's a good thing to pray a little bit more. It's a good thing probably to do whatever it is that you have in mind to do. This Ash Wednesday, it's a good thing to be here, to hear God's Word, and to receive that mark on your forehead. And hopefully when you go home tonight and you look in the mirror before you wash that off of your face, hopefully when you look in that mirror, you will see that Lent isn't about you. Nash Wednesday isn't about you. Instead, it's about the one whose mark you bear on your forehead and on your heart. The mark of Jesus Christ, in whose name you are baptized or you can be baptized. And there will be catastrophes in your life. But none of them will be so meaningful as his. Amen.